0: Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired.
1: We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him.
2: Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From
3: the Vatican to the White House and everything in between.
2: It's
0: serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time.
1: And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Today is Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023. It's the feast of Saint Emilian of Aten. Have you heard of this saint? I bet you have not because I didn't. Well, maybe you have. I would love to know if you do. It's pretty cool, actually. Now, this saint grew up in a time period during the Muslim invasion in France. The Muslims had invaded said, throughout Spain to various regions of France in 711, leading to an attack that was planned against Autun in 725. Now, Saint Emilian, he was a bishop from a noble family in of Armoncia, who he was very well known for being very courageous, being a honored bishop with great magnanimity of soul and intense and real supernatural faith. Now he went and he stood before the cathedral of his diocese and had asked the people of God to stand up against the Muslim invaders. Now, I want to read to you the words of the bishop himself, the words that he said, the words that came out of his mouth when he was speaking to the people at the cathedral. He says, quote, Oh, all you strong men of war who are still stronger in the faith, take into your hands the shield of this divine faith. Mark on your foreheads the sign of the cross. Cover your heads with the helmet of salvation and protect your chest with the armor of the Lord, then after taking up this religious armor, soldiers of Jesus Christ do yet more. Take your strongest weapons of war, your sharpest swords of the best steel, and come together to combat and smash the miserable enemies who, like furious beasts, slaughter our Catholic brothers. It is the moment to say with Judas Maccabeus, be strong and make you ready that you may fight with these people, which are agreed together to destroy us and our sanctuary. Better is it for us to die in battle than to see our people and our sanctuary in such a miserable state. Now the crowds of people who were gathered all started to be worked up into a, with, the, with the Holy Ghost with enthusiasm. They shouted, Lord and venerable pastor, give the order and command and where you go, we will follow. Now the saint responded and said, on this spot... We shall gather, and from the foot of this altar, we will start out against the enemy. And I will have the honor to march at the head of the soldiers of Jesus Christ. And so this bishop donned himself in the army array, and he led them into battle, the battle of St. Forgeant. And he defeated the infidel army at the pass of Cres de Oce. And he continued on and battle after battle. He won battle after battle. Eventually he weighed to a major, major battle of Austin. There he had to cut off the path of the Muslims who were coming to take the Christian land. And he was outnumbered by the Muslims by a great ordeal. And he tells the, his Christian brothers. Dear and brave companions, I congratulate you for your great faith. The number of combatants is not important. The victory comes from heaven. Then he made the sign of the cross and he said, Lord, into thy hands, I commend my spirit. And he entered into the thick of the fight. As there he wounded the Muslim chief during the fight. And many of the Saracen fighters rallied around their chief and fatally wounded the bishop. He ended up there expiring on the battlefield shouting encouragements to his soldiers. He was later canonized by Pope Pius the IX, and we should recognize this saint, recognize the magnanimity of soul, this military spirit, and that it cure us of sentimentalism, of self-pity. Ask him to encourage the church to be brave, to fight, to fight for Holy Mother Church, for the salvation of souls and of liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church. St. Emilian, Pray for us. Good morning to you. That was a little bit longer. I thought this this Saint of the Day just read like a like an action movie. I just love it. I absolutely loved it. So I wanted to t- spend a little bit more time on that. But happy Wednesday to you. Praise be to God. Uh, but joining us right now is Sissel Anderson. She's running our board this morning. We're very grateful for Cicel. Good morning, Cicel.
2: Good morning. Good morning. It, have
1: you ever heard of Saint um, Amelia?
2: Uh, or, I have not until you. I asked you who the Saint of the Day was. <laughs> so that was really cool, though.
1: Isn't it? I was like, that is like it reads like a like a, almost like you're watching Braveheart or something like that.
2: I know. I love when you find these saints that you're like, how have we not heard of you more thoroughly? Because they have some epic stories.
1: Right. Right. I love it. So it's really cool. I, I, I love the soldier saints and the it's really interesting because he's canonized. Um, and you're thinking, oh, it's a bishop going to battle, uh, fighting and killing people. Like, that's we don't want that. Uh, but Pius IX is like, no, this guy is a saint. <laughs> and it's like, no, that's great. Praise be to God. Um, so really cool. Very, very cool. I love it. We love to see it. The, um, in St. Pius IX, when he confirmed him, he said, seven years after the sack of autun in 725, Charles Martel met Abder de Rahman outside of Tours and defeated and slew him. The Battle of Poitiers in 732 is considered one of the great turning points in history, which stopped the Islamic advance into the Western Europe. So he's like, yeah, if it wasn't for him, it would have yeah. been over for us. It would have been over for us. One of those great what-ifs of history. Really cool anyway anyway i'll move on now (laughs) i can continue on about this story it's really cool but i i'm in dallas for the week so praise be to god i am that's what uh, Sissel is um helping me out this week i'm very grateful so if you would be so generous say a prayer for Sissel. she's uh been been doing the uh, the midnight hour for us uh, on top of her other other duties so she's uh She's running, running uh, low on steam over there. So. I'm gonna
2: need a lot of the Holy Spirit and some more caffeine to get through this, <laughs> and more I, vitamin C.
1: <laughs> I was thinking I um, had the great um, privilege last night. I went to have dinner with um, with Jose and uh, Mr. Brent uh, with the Courage Apostolate, and we were chatting after dinner. Um, and they were like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'll let you go home so you can so you can go take a nap, so go to bed." So they, I got back to my hotel about like. 10 o'clock and i got a phone call from a friend <laughs> and then uh ended up not being able to sleep and not falling asleep till about around one thirty. <laughs> so see i, I went I'm to bed like, much
2: earlier than that and i'm still not doing amazingly
1: <laughs> i have that uh, i'm like the only thing encouraging right, me right now is knowing that venerable mary of slept two hours a night every night and I'm like, okay, if she can do it, I can do it once. I can do it, <laughs> you one, do it time. one
2: time. One time, exactly.
1: So, so there you go, folks. At 15 past the hour, should Catholic schools be using BCE and CE as their dating system? We'll talk about that. At 30 past the hour, University of Dallas President Dr. Jonathan Sanford is going to be on with us. And that would be a conversation. We'll talk about Catholic universities in the next hour. Sarasota uh, is going to be on with us. We're going to be talking about uh, life Live joyfully. She's going to have her show airing tomorrow afternoon. We'll talk about what she's going to be talking about um, coming up. And as always, we have our fear and trembling game show. But Let's begin with prayer. We're going to be praying for whatever it is that you have going on in your life. We're going to be praying for the salvation of souls, liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church for our friends, family and benefactors and all those that we promise to pray for. We're praying for that in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. O Immaculata, Queen of heaven and earth, refuge of sinners and our most loving mother, God has willed to entrust the entire order of mercy to you. I, a repentant sinner, cast myself at your feet, humbly imploring you to take me with all that I am and have holy to yourself as your possession and property. Please make of me of all my powers of soul and body of my whole life, death and eternity, whatever most pleases you. If it pleases you, use all that I am and have without reserve wholly to accomplish what was said of you. She will crush your head, and you alone have destroyed all heresies in the world. Let me be a fit instrument in your immaculate and merciful hands for introducing and increasing your glory to the maximum in all the many strayed and indifferent souls, and thus help extend as far as possible the blessed kingdom of the most sacred heart of Jesus. For wherever you enter, you obtain the grace of conversion and growth in holiness. Since it is through your hands that all graces come to us from the most sacred heart of Jesus. Allow me to praise you, O sacred virgin. Give me strength against your enemies. O Mary, concede without sin. Pray for us who have recourse to thee. And for all those who do not have recourse to thee. Especially for the Freemasons and those committed to thy care. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Cecil Anderson.
2: Thank you Adrian and good morning again to everyone. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Catholic News Agency reports that a three-judge panel of the 11th Circuit made the decision to uphold an Alabama law that bans sex change treatments for children under 18. The law, called the Venerable Child Compassion and Protection Act, originally passed in 2022. It includes criminal penalties of up to 10 years in prison for those performing or administering sex change procedures to children. The act also prohibits school officials from withholding information from parents about children struggling with gender dysphoria. This decision will only temporarily keep the ban as the lawsuit on it will be reviewed in April of 2024. Alabama is one of 14 states to have a law banning sex change for children. One of those states, unsurprisingly, is not California. Just this last week, roughly a thousand parents rallied in front of the Sacramento court steps, protesting several upcoming bills that would take away their rights as parents. One bill being considered in the Senate would allow a minor age 12 or older to receive transgender medical services without the consent of his or her parents if the medical health professional determines that the parental involvement would be inappropriate after consulting with the child. Another proposed bill will centralize state power in relation to school district curricula and the use of certain textbooks. The legislation would prohibit boards from categorically excluding topics related to to race, ethnicity, and sexual orientation. Violations could threaten state funding. Catholic Domingo, the executive director of the California Catholic Conference, told CNN, Parents are the primary educators of their children and the vast majority want to do what is best for their children. Removing parents from the conversations and local decision-making from our schools only enshrines extreme ideology and leaves children without the guidance of their loving parents in whose care God has entrusted these children. To attend Catholic schools, you do not have to be Catholic, but what impact does the exposure of the faith have on kids outside of the church? I'll tell you about one girl's inspiring story in the next news segment. That's all I have for now. Adrian, back to you.
1: Yes, that's me, Dave Palmer. (laughs) I saw that coming up. I was like, oh, yeah, almost got the (laughs) date. Sorry. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. The foreshadowing. uh, (laughs) (laughs) The gospel of the day comes from Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. Now, this passage is one that disturbs a lot of people. Now it's about the man who goes out to the vineyard and hires laborers to the vineyard. And some come early in the day and some come midday and some come at the end of the day. And when they all come out to receive their payment, those who came at the end of the day receive the same amount of money as those who became at the beginning of the day. And they were very upset. They were saying, why, why would you do this? Why would you not give me more money? Or why would you not at least give them less? And what is the answer from the homeowner? They say, Friend, I did thee no wrong. Dost thou not agree with me for a penny? That take what is thine and go thy way, I will also give to these last even as to thee. Or is it not lawful for me to do what I will? Is thy eye evil because I am good? So shall the last be first, and the first last, for many are called, but few chosen. Now, this passage is very worthy of reading in its entirety, but one thing that we should keep in mind when it comes to this is a recognition of what is being referred to. Cornelius Lapide, which I highly recommend reading all of it because he breaks it down in incredible detail, what is meant in this passage, but he's saying here, he's addressing specifically the Jews, the Jews who are very haughty. They're very prideful of the fact that they are the chosen people. And they say, yes, we are the first of the kingdom of God. We are the chosen people. We are beloved by Almighty God. And yet our Lord here says, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Because the Gentiles who did not know Christ did not receive the graces of the Jews. They accepted. They were the ones who came late to the vineyard. And yet they accepted the grace that God was giving them. Whereas the Jews rejected it. And so we see that the the Jews will be last in the kingdom, but the Gentiles first. Now, this then applies also to those who convert, because those who convert on their deathbed, think St. Dismas on the cross, saying, if you die, but you die repentant, even at the last moment, you will enter the kingdom of heaven. In the same kingdom of heaven that someone who is a cradle Catholic, who dies in a state of sanctifying grace, will also enter the kingdom of heaven so let's keep that in mind when we think about these things let's pray that we persevere and not be envious of this but what else should we know yes we all receive heaven but we receive different graces while we're in heaven if we are holier and live a holier life on earth then we will receive greater graces in heaven so it's all equal when it comes down to it when we come back we're going to talk about BCE and
0: CE is that something we should use This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. G.K. Chesterton says, Thanks are the highest form of thought. At the sacrifice of the Mass, we hear the priest say, We do well always and everywhere to give you thanks. Always and everywhere. Have we ever really thought about that? If we were always thankful to God, always and everywhere, what would our lives be like? Chesterton says we should always endeavor to wonder at the permanent thing, not at the mere exception. We should be startled by the sun, not by the eclipse. We should wonder less at the earthquake and wonder more at the earth. Thanks are the highest form of thought. Maybe that's why the word Eucharist means Thanksgiving. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.
1: And welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. Just hanging out in the Dallas studios today. It's really nice to be in Dallas. You know, it may be hotter in temperature here in Dallas. It was like 108 degrees the other day, but it honestly feels less hot. I think it's the humidity. It's not as humid here in Dallas. And so I'm walking around and I don't feel like like I'm melting. Whereas in in Houston, I mean, you could be, it could be like 90 degrees and you're, and you feel like you're still melting. I'm just like, this is, it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice. I kind of like Dallas a little bit. Um, Don't tell the Houstonians I said that though. They will disown me for, uh, for saying nice things about Dallas. It's kind of in our contract. If you're from Houston, you're not allowed to say nice things about Dallas. So we'll, we'll stop there. But if you want to say hi, um, let me know, shoot me an email, my grnonline.com forward slash CDT. I would love to meet you. I have um, got to meet a few people while I'm here in Dallas, and I'd love to meet you. So grnonline.com forward slash CDT. I'd love to connect with you. Now, I got a message uh, yesterday from a friend. We, um, She was at one of our CDT insiders, and she sent in a, a question. She said, um, my granddaughter, who goes to a Catholic high school, was studying, and I heard her using the abbreviations BCE. And CE instead of BC and 80. I was really troubled with the secular language. Should I have been? I did send an email to the principal for some clarification since we date the whole calendar by Jesus's birth. And you are a hundred percent correct. It's not appropriate for Catholic universities, Catholic high schools, Catholic middle schools to be having using the language of BCE And CE, why? Because BCE says before the common era. And CE is the common era. What about BC and AD? AD and BC refer to Jesus Christ. BC, actually the original in its Latin form is ante Christum natum, which is before the birth of Christ. And in English we say before Christ. So that's BC. AD, for some reason we keep the uh, the Latin for, for AD, it's Anno Domini, which is in the year of our Lord, or the year of the Lord, really. But we say our Lord because the, the full phrase, the original phrase was Anno Domini Nostri Jesu Christi, which is the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, this was the way we dated things, beginning with the creation of the Gregorian calendar that came about around 500. Now, it's interesting, because even even Neil deGrasse Tyson, who I am no fan of Neil deGrasse Tyson whatsoever, he's very much anti-Christian, very much uh, mocks uh, people who of faith about a lot of things. Um, not a big fan. Not a very big fan. He was promoting gender ideology not that long ago, but he's a very, very famous physicist. And he said, you know, I have no problem with B.C. and A.D. And you know why? Because, you know, even if I may not agree with them, it was the Catholic Church who created the calendar that we use. And they created a calendar that works so well that we've been able to use it for 2,000 years. So at the very least, I can give them the credit and use the language that they created. And I'm like, well, at least he gets it. At least he understands that. Because, yes, the creation of B.C. and A.D., was done by the church because the church spent the time to correct the Julian calendar, which is what we used before the Gregorian calendar. The Julian calendar had some errors in it that was causing the calendar to slowly drift away, and they started to destroy it and started to make things very confusing. And so, the Gregorian calendar was created to correct those things. And now, here's the question when people say, Oh, before the common era and the common era, what exactly are you referring to? What is the common era? What marks the era as common? I have nothing in common with the people in the first, second, third century, except the fact that they're Catholics. Other than that, we don't have the same roads. We don't have similar beliefs. We don't have similar architecture. We don't. What exactly marks that as common? What changed in 1 AD or 1 CE? What happened in 1 CE that makes it common? Well, that would be the birth of Jesus Christ, no? Now, if this was became popular. It seems as though the dating of this uh, kind of predates, it kind of originates around the 1700s, it seems, the 17th century rather. Uh, some say that Johannes Kipler, the Protestant. Um, physicist or astronomer rather he uh, coined that term or didn't coin it but that's the first time we see it appear in a book but it wasn't popularized until the mid 19th century the 1800s by Jewish scholars who started using it because they did not want to refer to our Lord as our Lord and so they started using BCE and CE and started to push the use of these in the scientific fields so people are saying, oh, we got to be inclusive, so we'll use BCE and CE. Like No, there's no reason to be inclusive. The church is right. It's, a, it's almost, I'm, I'm not, when I am go so far as to say this, but it's almost a denial of Christ to say BCE and CE. To say, you know what, I refuse to recognize that it is the year of our Lord Jesus Christ 2023. That's what you're saying when you say AD. You're saying, this is the year of our Lord. Now some people argue. Well, you see, uh, people in the 500s, uh, whenever they were dating this, they might have been off by two or three years. So it's not actually referring to Jesus Christ's birth. He was probably born around 4 BC. Okay. Well, let's just say for a second that you're correct. I don't think that we necessarily know, or we ever know, whether or not the exact date. They're like they actually say, well, it's probably somewhere between two and seven BC. It's like, okay, maybe it's also just 1 AD. Um, have you thought of that? Could be. We try to date it, but, you know, people, we historical records are what they are. Let's just say you're correct. Well, how does saying common era and before the common era change anything? It's still referring to Christ. It's still referring to Christ, even if it's off by a couple of years. And that's okay. Because this is what we've been using for 2,000 years. It is only used in order to virtue signal and to try to pretend that we're trying to be inclusive but instead, let's recognize our Lord in all things. Let's recognize that our Lord Jesus Christ is, in fact, Lord over history itself. And, in fact, it's, this, it's a very beautiful thing of the English language that we can say, in fact, it is his story. It is a story of Jesus Christ. It's history. And so this is something that we should definitely be against as Catholics, of trying to destroy what we have used, what we have created and it becomes more and more popular and different countries have different histories of ways of using this. But I think that this is something that we should not let up on. That we should not give up on. And I know many secular scholars, atheist scholars who use B.C. and A.D. They They say, well, I don't get it. Like, are we going to stop saying January because it refers to the God of Januarius? Is that going to be something we're going to do? Because, oh, I don't believe in those gods either. So even atheist scholars are saying that's just you're just being silly. You're just being silly. We're not going to start switching out of this. So I think overall, this is something that we should definitely not cave into. Uh Sissel, before we uh, switch uh, topics, uh do you have anything to add to that?
2: No, I, I agree. I think it's so silly. I'm fortunate to have gone to, you know, I feel like it wasn't. In, well, I was homeschooled first off, but it wasn't really a thing in schools fully. I, it just started coming out uh, when I was finishing up my school years. But, man, it doesn't make sense. And I and I and I love the fact that this very, very secular physicist, you know, is he's like, well, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. They create it. They can name it what they want. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. Yeah, I think that's good. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, so here's a short story we're going to cover just for about five seconds. Um, there is a story, the unmarked graves. You remember that in Canada where they were talking about how the, uh, like the Catholic Church was, uh, had mass graves of, uh, the Native Americans and the Native Canadians and, uh, in Canada, the indigenous peoples. Well, it turns out the unmarked graves discovery at Manitoba residential school turns out to be hoax. No bodies found only Rocks. There you go, folks. There you go. This is why, you know, there have been bad things that happen in the church. I mean, we talk about bad things that happen in the church today. We talk about those things. But I'm always skeptical when these things happen because these the enemies of God, the enemies of the church are all over the world and they hate Holy Mother Church. And they hate if you hate God, if you hate our Lord, who is the way, the truth and the life. Then what on earth, why on earth would I believe that you would not lie to me? If you are not someone who believes in Christ, who is the truth, if you hate Christ, if you are anti-Christ, why would I believe that you would not lie and make up stories? This is why whenever this whole story came out to begin with, I kind of rolled my eyes was like, okay, this is probably not true. And if it is true, the story is probably not the way they're telling it. And none. And then after quite a bit of time, it's been what, two years since this story came out? We finally get out after everyone already has bought into the story and everybody has already formed their opinions. People have done things, decisions. People have attacked Catholic churches in Canada because of this. Turns out the whole thing was a hoax. There you go, folks. There you go. So keep that in mind when you see these stories. Now we cannot just believe everything we see in the news. We have to have what I call a hermeneutic of skepticism when it comes to things that are going on in the world today. Now, This other story here, Uh, more than 120 arrested in Pakistan after mob burned down Christian churches and homes. This is going on really bad. And we have to realize and we'll probably bring up the story again because it's a long story. A lot of things I wanted to bring up about this story. But what I the take home right now is we are currently living in a time when tensions are rising around the world. The Catholic faith, specifically the Christian faith in general, the Catholic faith specifically has been persecuted and is the most persecuted religion in the world. People want to pretend that it's Jews. They want to pretend that it's Muslims. That is not the case. It has always been the Catholic faith. Always. We think because we live in America and in America, Christianity and Catholicism has relative peace here. But these things are happening all over the world. Our Christian brothers and sisters are being slaughtered all over the world. Do we care? Are we praying and fasting for them? Are we doing penance for them? And we have to recognize these things can come to here as well. These things can come here, and we have to be ready. We have to be ready to say, I'm going to be a martyr. We have to be ready to say, no, these things are going to be rising. This anti-Christian sentiment Will continue to rise, they're going to demonize Catholics by saying, oh yeah, Catholics are this, Catholics are bad, and they're going to then try to ghettoize Catholics. Um, how about the whole FBI investigating and calling uh, traditional Catholic churches terrorist beds, beds for terrorism? These things are going to continue. You create a narrative that surrounds being Catholic, and as these things start to fester, you start to have public sentiment against the Catholic faith. And then you start to see violence. How about the raid on Mark Hauk's house, a dear friend of the GRN? Mark Hauk gets his house raided. Whenever Christians are attacked, Catholic churches are attacked. You don't see any hate crime laws passed. You don't see anybody indicted on hate crimes. Where are we headed? We have to be prepared. Many people accuse me of fear mongering. Say, Adrian, why do you talk about all these bad news all the time? Because we have to be prepared mentally. Are you ready to be a martyr? That's what my mom used to ask me when I was a child. And I would say yes, I am ready to be a martyr. And I pray to God that I'm I'm right about that. And we're we'll right back with more right after this.
3: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your One Minute Tool for Catholic Evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. you know what are the two most common questions after attending a non-Catholic church service? Answer, how is the preaching and how is the worship? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic Evangelism. Number one, evaluation of worship? That's odd. Who's evaluating worship? Well, here's what really is meant by that. How is the music, the singing, and the audible response of the people? And if that were important, wouldn't that be our Lord's decision anyway? Secondly, Catholic teaching. Worship is fundamentally not tied to music and song, though it can be supported by music and song. The 2,000-year history of Catholic worship is primarily about a representing of Jesus' unbloody, timeless sacrifice on every Catholic altar. It is that moment when the bread and wine are changed into Jesus' own body and blood. We then participate in that worship by bringing our own sacrifice of self, whether sorrow or praise. And thirdly, my take. The only evaluation that should be considered after a church or a mass is the evaluation of heart and actions. That is, did we grow in obedience to the royal law of love? Help us, Father.
5: Hi, I'm Adam Bly.
0: And I'm Debbie Giorgiani from The Spirit World.
5: Please join us this Saturday as we discuss the powerful
6: sacrament of reconciliation and its role in spiritual warfare.
0: That's this Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network.
7: Listen to The Spirit World with Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly. Visit grnonline.com slash spiritworld.
2: Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Cecil Anderson, and here are some more breaking news headlines. With dealing with more than 500 civil lawsuits, the Archdiocese of San Francisco is filing a Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Archbishop Salvatore Corleone said a Chapter 11 filing would allow the Archdiocese to deal with those cases collectively rather than one at a time, resulting in both a faster resolution of the crisis as well as a fair compensation for the victims. We believe the bankruptcy process is the best way to provide a compassionate and equitable solution for survivors of abuse, the Archbishop said, while ensuring that we continue the vital ministries to the faithful and to the communities that rely on our services and charity. At least 13 dioceses are currently engaged in bankruptcy proceedings, while 18 have emerged from it. Now for your inspiring story of the day, many parents who are not Catholic choose Catholic schools for their family due to their high academic standards, and that is how international student Chelsea Sue began studying at the Academy of the Holy Family in Baltic, Connecticut in 2016 as a high school freshman. Before arriving, she had never seen a religious sister and didn't understand why anyone would devote much time To spirituality or to rely on Jesus. Sue's family hadn't practiced a religion, and while she was while she was growing up in China, but now the 22-year-old soon found peace in the chapel of the Catholic secondary days and boarding school for young women run by the Sisters of Charity of Our Lady, Mother of the Church. I could just sit and think, she said. No matter what's going on outside, it's very quiet inside. I felt like I could just pour my heart out here. She is now a practicing Catholic in China, along with another student from the country who converted as well. And these are your headlines for your Wednesday morning.
1: Thank you very much, Cecil, for keeping us up to date. Um, I think Sissel's doing an excellent job with those newsreads. She's uh, hitting it out of the park. And I particularly like the, the teasing at the, the first segment over to the second segment. That's, uh, that's pretty good. That's good. I'm, I'm very much enjoying it. So praise be to God. Way to go, Cecil.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it, Adrian.
1: <laughs> the, joining us right now is Dr. Jonathan Sanford with the University of Dallas. You're the president of the University of Dallas. Good morning to you. Good morning. It's great to be with you, Adrian. Ah, praise be to God. It's good to have you on. You know, when I went to university, I was uh, back in, I'm, I'm not that old, but I was uh, looking for universities back in 2016. Okay. I was looking for universities to attend, and I went to uh, my my, I was touring all the Catholic universities in Texas because I was I wanted to study theology. I good. was like, okay, I wanted to be, my goal at the time, I wanted to be a youth minister. And so that's what I wanted to do. So I started going off here and I also wanted to go to Steubenville as well. That was mm-hmm. one of my other options I wanted to attend. And I started touring all the universities. And I really loved St. Edward's because it was a beautiful campus. like got top of a hill, good view, and I was really liking it. And I asked the person who was giving me a tour and I said, oh, what's the how's the Catholic identity on campus? And they told me, and this is a direct quote, they said, Oh, don't worry, we're not that Catholic.
5: Yeah, that's a big mistake.
1: <laughs> right. Right. And it's funny, because I, I but they but, asked but, us, but at we, least they were honest that's with true. You. That's yeah. true. And so I, I was a real big shock to me because I was under the impression I didn't know anything about the different things going on in the Catholic world and mm-hmm. and I was um I was under the impression that a Catholic universities were all Catholic.
5: You know, it's, it's a funny thing. Sometimes I think Catholics imagine they're supposed to water down their approach to Catholicism. And um, and, and that's going to be more hospitable. Mm-hmm. But in point of fact, when we embrace who we truly are, we exercise charity. And hospitality is a part of charity. So those two go together. But I, I do think there's this bifurcated view of toning down your your faith, toning down the way in which an institution is expressing its Catholicism. We find just the opposite to be the case at the University of Dallas. We firmly embrace our adherence to our, our Catholic faith. The identity of the university is grounded in and really shaped by Excordia Ecclesiae, which is this apostolic constitution that St. Pope John Paul II published in 1990. And it provides both an inspiring vision of what it is to have a Catholic university and at the same time provides norms that you're supposed to adhere to. So we have always had students who are not Catholic. And one of the interesting things that we discovered when we, we uh, did a survey and and we had some focus groups with our students over the last couple of years as we were thinking about how to, how to refresh our brand. We found that students who were not Catholic at the University of Dallas marked its strong Catholic identity as its most attractive feature. Mm. So that just proves the point I was making before that you're, you're not in
1: fact more welcoming if you pretend that you're not what you really are. Yeah, for sure. Because then you're kind of like a car salesman. You're trying yeah. to sell a false bit of goods. That's and, right. um, you know, it's interesting. So I, I ended up, um, after touring all the Catholic universities in Texas, ended up applying to three. Uh-huh. Uh, University of Dallas, University of St. Thomas in Houston, and I also applied to, um, to Supermanville in Ohio. Yes. And, to, and whenever I, I was uh, accepted to all three, I ended up going to University of St. Thomas. The primary reason actually, and I don't want to say anything bad about my alma mater, but I actually really wanted to go to University of Dallas, but, um, the, I ended up, being able to afford university St. Thomas more because I was going to live at home Yeah, because I lived in Houston. And so it just worked out that way. But it's interesting because after touring everything, I was like, there's only like two Catholic universities in in Texas that are actually seem like they're trying to practice the faith. It was very concerning to me that this would be the case. Now I want to talk about what you mentioned there about the situation of, um, of our identity because it became a controversy at University of St. Thomas while I was there. Uh me and a bunch of friends actually made t-shirts that said Excordia Ecclesiae and uh-huh. we would wear them around and talking about um the we saying we need to be more Catholic because we've kind of seemed like we were trying to compete with the University of Houston as a and I'm like, they're a secular university. If we're trying to compete with them, we're gonna lose at being a secular university. They have more money, they're bigger, they've been around longer. But if we compete at being a authentically Catholic liberal arts education, yeah. well, they can't stand it. Uh, they can't hold a candle to that. Uh, what would yours, uh, how do you would approach that?
5: Yeah. Um, well, thanks for the question. And, and I know good people at University of St. Thomas. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, a wonderful school and I want to be careful about any comparisons. Right, so I'm, right. I'm, I'm going to focus on what we do at the University of, of Dallas, but it's true that, um, of the, Universities in Texas that are Catholic, only the University of St. Thomas and the University of Dallas belong to this Newman, um, guide list of schools that, um, are, are registered there because they, they're very clear about their, their Catholic identity and their adherence to Excordia Ecclesiae. So let me, let me say something about Excordia Ecclesiae that, um, builds on what I said before. The phrase means from the heart of the church. corde, from the heart of the church. And it is hearkening back to the fact that the university itself is an invention and um of, of the Catholic Church, built by the Catholic Church, with the the goal of shaping culture through educating students. And the university itself has both a a focus on the of course the the instruction in the tradition a university seeks to bring forth the the treasury of human knowledge but also encourages its students to reflect upon the interrelationship of the different disciplines okay so there's there's both a, a res- mutual respect for the different disciplines and this gets into what one means by a liberal arts education mm-hmm. right liberal because we're not talking about any political category here, but a liberation from ignorance, a liberation from um, over-attachment to your, your passions, right? So you cultivate virtues through the, the studies that you engage in, and a liberation for a life that's committed to the true, the good, and the beautiful. So universities exist to educate, secondly, to add to the growing body of human knowledge, and third to advance the good of humanity. Those are the three goals that St. John Paul II identifies in part one of Ex Corte Ecclesiae. The University of Dallas is rightly highly regarded for its core curriculum. We shape all of our students. We're we're an honors college for every student who comes to the university. We don't have separate tracks where somebody um, just through their track gets more philosophy or theology. We introduce every single one of our students, whether you're a business major or a biology major, to uh two years of uh rigorous study in the liberal arts disciplines, and that enables them to become clear thinkers, clear writers, and articulate expositors of arguments. They learn how to how to argue without quarreling, which is a, a lost art in our culture today. So the 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 educational mission of a Catholic university needs to be first, right? And that mission is a Catholic mission already, right? So I know great things happen at Texas A&M, for instance, with, with Aggie Catholics. Mm -hmm. And, and they're, they're given a lot of faith formation. What they're not provided with there is a Catholic education Mm -hmm. where there's a, a thinking with the tradition which is not a kind of uh, just holding on to the past, it actually enables one to become a creative and innovative contributor to the future. Right. So so that kind of formation is distinctively Catholic. And then all of the other ways in which um, the, mm-hmm. the Catholic life is part of campus is Absolutely. there as
1: well. Uh, we're gonna go to a quick break. When we come back, I wanna pick up on that topic. I, you, know, you stand on the shoulder of the giant so you could see out further as something that we would love to revitalize in our Catholic universities and our Catholic schools in general. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time right after this with University of Dallas President Dr. Jonathan Sanford. We'll be right back.
2: Arm yourself for the daily spiritual battle. Visit St. Michael's Armory for beautiful sacramentals, recast antique medals and religious jewelry, and our exclusive sterling silver and wool brown scapulars. Take up these means to strengthen your soul and arm yourself well for the battle of life. St.michelsarmory.com. That's StMichaelsArmory.com Spiritual Armor for the Battle of Life.
0: This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. Social media has enabled us to be more connected than ever with the people from our past, friends who we rarely see, and family who live far away. This can be a great blessing, but when used without guidance by our children, social media can actually deform a child's development. An essential aspect of a child's development is their relationship to the world. This happens through interactions between a child and their peers and a child and adults. Because of social media, most teens are overwhelmingly more influenced by their peers than by the adults in their lives. This is a problem. 94% of parents underestimate the activity of their children on social media. Don't be that parent.
3: Use filtering and monitoring apps to protect your child and stay engaged in their tech use. Or better yet, hold off on introducing your child to social media. You want
0: to be the strongest influence in your child's life for as long as possible. For our full podcast on this topic and for downloadable resources, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org.
1: Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. It's always good to be here on Catholic Radio. How are you doing this morning? I hope you're having a blessed morning. Hope your ride into work is not too stressful. The traffic isn't keeping you too down. Um, but praise be to God. It's, it's good that you're here with us. I'm happy to be with you. Uh, we're joined right now with the University of Dallas president, Dr. Jonathan Sanford. We're talking about a Catholic liberal arts education. We're talking about Excorde Ecclesiae. This, uh, great document by John Paul II about Catholic universities. And, you know, um, I, love Catholic universities. People kind of accuse me of an anti-Catholic university, anti-Catholic schools in general, um, because I kind of say negative things about them sometimes. But the reason why I say negative things about them is because I want them to be good. I want them to be Catholic. I, I desire. I know they have such great potential. And I mean if I I really would love to go get my master's degree in philosophy. And if I did you should, you should come to the University of Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> we have an excellent master's degree. Really? In philosophy. really. Yeah. I was always thinking about University of St. Thomas, um, their Center for Thomistic Studies. Yeah. I'm a huge, yeah. um, I, I was a, a novice for the Dominican Order and I, okay. I love, love Thomistic Studies, but I don't really know anything about the, uh, Master's program in, uh, University of Dallas. Yeah, so. well,
5: well, I'll connect you.
1: Okay. Well, we, absolutely. we have plenty of Thomists at the University of Dallas. So praise be to God. Praise be to God. Now we're talking about the, the document Excordia Ecclesia. Now Bishop Miller, he was a bazillion father and, uh, then later became bishop and mm-hmm. he was the president of University of St. Thomas for many years, uh, kind of during the, the heyday of University of St. Thomas when it was, it was really great. And he writes this, he wrote this little booklet that's, um, about Excordia Ecclesia. And one of the things he brings up in reference to the original document, was this idea of having a Catholic faculty. Mm -hmm. And that's something that always kind of was interesting to me because at most Catholic schools, and I'm talking Catholic schools in general, Mm -hmm. not just universities, but high schools, middle schools, across the board, they hire a lot of people who are not Catholic, mm-hmm. and that's always been a, something of concern to me. In reading Bishop Miller, he says, while some situations might entail compelling reasons for members of another faith tradition to teach in a Catholic school, as much as possible, all teachers in a Catholic school should be practicing Catholics. What say you about that?
5: Yeah, so um, going back to ex-Gord Ecclesia, and I, I think the situation is, is – um, a little different for a K-12 mm-hmm. school as opposed to, um, a university because of the way in which, um, the, the faith is delivered for, for young people. Excordia Ecclesiae makes it very clear that you need to have at least 50% or more, um, of your faculty as, um, as Catholic and it, because of the way in which that prescription is described, those Catholics need to be serious about their faith. So um, there there are three levels of faculty that the uh, Holy Father identified in Excordi Ecclesiae. So Christians who are not Catholics who need to um, uh, understand, articulate, and defend the mission, those who are of no faith at all who, he argues, can still be part of a Catholic University mission and um they too need to be able to articulate and um appreciate the mission and and then the catholic faculty whose whose adherence to the mission needs to be reflected in the way that they live okay and and so there's a higher standard for catholic um uh, faculty members at a, a catholic university i think it is absolutely vital that every faculty member at a university witness to the mission i think The most destructive thing that can happen at a Catholic university, and I saw many examples of this when I was an undergraduate at a, at a Catholic university, is, um, the scandal of misrepresenting church teaching, Mm. or, um, saying, and what I mean by that is, is saying that the church teaches something that it doesn't teach, and as you're an undergraduate, um, you don't, you don't know how to, how to suss out the difference. You know, oh, I thought the church, um, taught this about birth control and and then you get a um a, a professedly catholic faculty member saying no that's not really the case you can you can um interpret this according to the dictates of of your conscience right so the the way that conscience gets abused in those situations mm-hmm. is very significant so we take great care at the university of dallas to make sure that that our faculty adhere to the mission that the way in which catholic Teaching is articulated, is grounded in the reality of the teachings of the church, and um, uh, um, exercising a, a a real care for those those teachings of the church. Teaching our students not just what the church teaches, but how to articulate and understand what the church teaches. Right. So there's there's a, a principle at work here, which is that. Um, things are not true because the church teaches them. Things are true, and the church teaches them mm-hmm. okay so it's it 's not by fiat it's it 's not by a kind of uh, mere expression of policy that we have um, the catechism right those those are principles that are a combination of what God revealed to us in in the book of Revelation through Holy Scripture and the work of the Magisterium and and the book of nature, right? So we want our students, and, and this really gets to what uh, the work of a liberal education is all about. Yes. We want our students to be able to Provide an account of the reason why. Always have a reason for what you
1: believe. Um, our, our first pope told us. You know, it's interesting because the liberal arts. As, that's something that I have been. I've been really, really upset about is the fact that I feel like I have been deprived of a good education. And I went to public school from first uh, kindergarten through fifth, and private school all the way through to through college, and I did not learn the trivium. Which, for people who don't know, that's logic grammar and rhetoric yeah. and that is something that i did not learn and i've been trying to teach myself recently i read father coppins has a little catechism on logic and i read yeah. that myself and i picked up sister miriam joseph's the trivium that's a that's myself, an excellent work which like, is made for kids yeah and i'm like this is something that's, that's being taught at like university level now when it used to be taught to children yeah. and it really bothered me because i, I my degrees in theology And I have a bachelor degree in communications and radio TV broadcasting and a minor in philosophy, which you would think I would learn. I never took it. We we never read the art rhetoric of Aristotle. Yeah, we never I never took a class on logic, which, to be fair, if you had a major, it was a required course. But for the minor, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. I was able to go through all this education through get my bachelor degree and never took a class on logic or rhetoric. How is that possible?
5: Yeah, well, um, we've we've thrown out the the fundamental arts of the liberal arts so we we use this this phrase a liberal arts education and mm-hmm. a lot of people think that it means just um a kind of general exploration in humanities mm-hmm. right like but, a great books program a, a great books program and and i'm i'm all for reading great books mm-hmm. but reading them in a in a structured way grounded on the trivium and the quadrivium which um as as you point out um, grounds us in the fundamental elements of language and thought, and from that, the fundamental ways of encountering the the world as it presents itself to us in the quadrivium. Right? There's a lot of science in there. What a, a lot of people don't understand is the you know the the, the study of astronomy, the the study you know, of geometry. Uh, we've got math, science and rhetoric and logic as foundational disciplines that enable us to wrestle with the more complex disciplines. So you you have every right to be frustrated. You feel like you were robbed of something that should be there and um, we we should have found a way to get you to uh, the University of Dallas back in 2016, and then you wouldn't you wouldn't be disappointed with
1: uh, with what you Uh Yeah, uh, it's praise be to God, I, I, and yeah, it's a it's a really beautiful thing because liberal arts education, like you mentioned, it is uh, liberating because it helps us to think better. It helps us to be able to understand. And I was reading this quote from a Dominican from the 19th century. He said that logic. And I wish I could remember who the Dominican was. He said that logic is the um, the poor man's defense against experts, yes, and I think about the 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 chaos that's happened over the last three four years, uh, not to mention the last just like fifty years but the people have been robbed of logic, and they are – and what does logic tell us? It tells us we'll be able to think systematically, be able to break down syllogisms, be able to see, yeah. to test whether or not someone who's claiming to be an expert is telling you the truth. You know, Aristotle um, was the first to really articulate the, that benefit.
5: And in his work, Parts of Animals, he he gives the measure of what it is to be well-educated. He says, you're able to be the judge of any argument, mm. Right. So, the, the poor man's weapon against, you know, just being snowed by experts, right? So we, we live in a culture in which experts are everywhere and they're going to be telling us what we're supposed to think. Well, when you are armed with a genuine Catholic liberal arts education, you are able to think for yourself. You're able to, to be a judge of Every argument that comes your way because you have those fundamental tools and you 've thought through the different disciplines you 're not at the whim of of the experts who are going to to um, uh, seek to to manipulate the way that you think. What you become is an independent thinker, and that 's precisely what we mean by our tagline. The University of Dallas is the Catholic university for independent thinkers. We want our graduates to stand on their own feet to be able to suss out. The, the ideologies that are thrown at them to be able to exercise responsibility as citizens and as faithful contributors to the church.
1: Amen. Amen. Yeah, I think that's exactly what we want out of our universities. And that's something that we want to, to be encouraged that people go through. And, you know, here's, um, we're running out of time. Um, Ah, well, maybe we'll have to have you back on and talk about this because there's just no point in asking this question. We won't get through it. The, so the semester is starting. I think it's starting today.
5: Yeah. Today's the first day of class. Yesterday we had the mass of the Holy Spirit. Bishop Burns uh, gave a wonderful homily and we're all fired
1: up, ready to go. So what's uh, people are expecting uh, for the new year? Anything exciting happening? Well,
5: um, we, we are hosting a series of, of lectures on the, um, on the Eucharist. And this is in support of the Eucharistic revival. Um, the first is September. 21st I think it is and we are going to be housing the day before on the 20th a, a number of first-class relics of Saint Padre Pio oh, uh, we're wow. blessed to be participating in in um, I think it's three locations within the Diocese of Dallas that will will have those relics for a day so uh, there'll be information about that but everyone is welcome to come the University of Dallas is consecrated to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Uh, we have a beautiful shrine on campus, so you can you can visit uh, St. Padre Pio's relics in our church, and then you can go over to the shrine and um, have a, a great experience.
1: Well, praise be to God. That's amazing. That, and that's open to the public? It's open to the public. Praise be to God. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, Padre Pio is actually my patron, uh, so my confirmation saint was Padre Pio. Wonderful. Uh, so I have a great devotion to Padre Pio, despite the fact I prefer Dominicans. Well, Padre Pio will give him an exception. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, praise you to God. Thank you for joining us. And uh, you're welcome to, uh, if you have to take off, then I will take off. But if you're welcome to stay for the after show, which is 30 past the next hour, and we talk about, we kind of field comments from the, from the audience and talk uh-huh. about that, uh, you're welcome to stay. But that's going to do it for the first hour. We'll be right back with Sarah Soto coming up next.
0: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Hmm. Have you ever heard someone say that we should stop opposing things like abortion and homosexual unions because there's simply nothing we can do about it? You can't prevent that stuff. It's inevitable. So just accept it. Well, G.K. Chesterton says the other word for inevitability is impenitence. We have let ourselves be dominated by the notion that there's no turning back. This idea is rooted in materialism and the denial of free will. Now, this modern refusal to undo what has been done is not only an intellectual fault, it is a moral fault also. It is not merely our mental inability to understand the mistake we have made, it's also our spiritual refusal to admit that we have made a mistake. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org.
2: So the neighbor who we've spoken to, you know, just in greeting, who I don't believe has ever spoken back to us, out of the blue, uh, surprised us. One day we were getting the kids in the car for Mass and asked us if we were going to Mass. I was dumbstruck for about probably 10 seconds. It was great that we had an opportunity to share about our parish and that we were Catholic. Turned out she was Catholic, too, and she assumed we were because of the bumper sticker on our car.
7: The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
3: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Many committed Christians hold to this axiom. If it's in the Bible, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, here you go. 1 Timothy 2 states the following about women as related to church life. No braiding the hair, no gold jewelry, no pearls. Just learn in silence and do not teach. Does your pastor comply with these biblical instructions? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, an unpleasant fact. Many self-proclaimed Bible-only churches, sadly, will pick and choose what parts Of the Bible are implemented in the life of the church. Secondly, Catholic catechism. Be especially attentive to, quote, the content and unity of the whole scripture. And thirdly, a tough comeback. In order to understand the sacred author's intention, we must take into account culture, audience, and the literary genre. So if your Bible only church does not strictly obey those instructions, then tell me the reason why. Well, we know. You know, 80% of your church is handled by women. So with those instructions in force, many women will leave your church, maybe even the pastor's wife. Ouch.
0: Hi, this is Dave Palmer. Do you love all that you're learning about the Catholic Church here on the GRN? And are you ready to dive into the deep? If so, join us each Friday afternoon beginning at 1 p.m. Central for Back to the Father on the GRN's Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter pages as we discuss key teachings of St. Thomas Aquinas' Summa Theologia and their application to our everyday journey through this life and our goal of returning Back to the Father.
3: Hi, I'm Rudy Carlos, Executive Director of Digital Development, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
1: so good to be on here today. Praise be to God. Another great day to be on Catholic Radio. Actually, every day is a great day to be on Catholic Radio. So, oh, welcome to the team. It is a great day. Now... I just thought that was a great conversation about the University of Dallas um, and about just Catholic universities in general. You know, I if I had the time and the money, I would just be a full-time student. I would just be a full-time student. I would go get my uh, master's degree in Thomistic Studies. I, I love the University of St. Thomas. Their Center for Thomistic Studies is um, one of the only places in the world. Like, There's only like a dozen places in the entire world where you can get a degree in, in Thomistic Studies. Um, I'm sure University of Dallas's Masters in Philosophy is great as well. I'm not familiar with it, but, um, I would love to do that. Get a degree in Thomistic Studies. Actually, if I could choose one place, I probably would go to the Dominican House of Studies in DC. Honestly, that's like, that's where I would love to get my uh, degree in, um, in Thomistic Studies from and then uh, pursue uh, higher degrees in other, in other fields. And I, I just love, I love education. And right now, this is the question I wanted to ask him, but we just didn't get around to. We just ran out of time, and this would be a big, big question. I was going to ask him what would he recommend to be able to build yourself, a, do it like a DIY at home, um, liberal arts education. Like, what would he recommend? And that's kind of a major question. That's like a, that's like a five, six minute answer for that at least. Like really could be like a whole hour long show and just that alone. But um, I think the way to start, honestly, if you are thinking, you know, I can't go back to college. There's no way I can do that. It's just it's too late for me to go back to college. Well, I recommend that you pick up The Trivium, The Liberal Arts of Logic, Grammar and Rhetoric by Sister Miriam Joseph. The book was written as like a textbook for kids and back in the day. And now, I mean, it's. It's, it was published, I think in the 19, I want to say 1950s, maybe 1940s and the, it was made for kids, but it works for, I mean, I, I'm honestly working through it and I'm like, whew, this is rough even for me that people back then were not, and people like to say, Oh, we're so smart today. We're much smarter than we were in the past. I don't think so because I'm struggling to read this book and, and it's, but it's excellent. It's excellent. It's worth going through slowly, systematically because it gives you the systematic um, way of learning these things. I mean, I highly recommend people check that out. If if that's something that you're interested in, something in saying, I really like the conversation. No way I can go back to college. Um, check us out. The Trivium, Liberal Arts of Logic, Grammar and Rhetoric, Sister Miriam Joseph. And then once you finish that, I mean, then the next step would be probably the, the Quadrivium, which is the um, what comes after, which is, There's a few books out there about that, but we can discuss that maybe in a later show. If this is something of interest of you that you say, uh, hey, Adrian, I really like that topic. I would love to hear more about it. Uh, Let me know. Uh, Maybe we can have someone on talk specifically about the trivium and the quadrivium and the study of the liberal arts and how to do it ourselves. You and I do it at home. Our DIY education. Hey, hey, we'll get our. Uh, we'll hand out DIY degrees. We'll get. a printout paper from uh, and I'll, I'll mail it to people. And you
2: use the fancy paper, right?
1: I'll use the fancy paper. I I'll have spend wax the extra seals. Two bucks.
2: I could add like a wax seal to it because I don't think those are on degrees, but I feel like it would make it look fancier. Uh,
1: you, you know, uh, maybe we'll, I'll just we'll use the. Uh, the I have a, a ring of the medal. Yes, you'll just use that as use like that the seal. seal.
2: Absolutely. I I was <laughs> you're talking about diplomas and things like that, and I was talking to my friends the other day, and I realized my college actually never sent me my diploma. No way. <laughs> and so I was like, wait, I don't actually know what an official diploma <laughs> looks like
1: that's crazy
2: and i was like i should probably get onto that and find out where it is i never
1: got to walk because i graduated 2020 well
2: that's what me too oh, and that's okay. why yeah, yeah. it was sent it was sent to us they mm. they sent us an email saying if you want your physical diploma and i said yes i do and then i forgot about it <sighs> and i don't think it ever arrived so that's unfortunate
1: that really stinks i i i got mine i don't know where it went because it came in the mail whenever i was in the novitiate with the dominicans and so I have no idea where it is now. It's somewhere. I think my mom probably has it somewhere. I'm sure she knows where it is, but I have no clue where it is now. But, um, yeah, there you go. Graduating 2020 was, uh, paying the real rear. But, uh, joining us right now is, uh, Sarah Soto, or maybe she's joining us. Let's find out. Sarah, are you there? Not quite. I'm just trying to see if she oh, w- might be know. connected.
2: Yeah, sorry. My on the technology end, I was. It looked like something was connected, but then apparently not. That's so, okay.
1: No problem. When Sarah she- is
2: probably getting some very well-deserved sleep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's all right. No problem. Uh, if uh, she joins, uh, let me know. We'll hop I into will. that conversation. Uh, if not, I think um there was a story that I thought was really interesting. There was uh, by Ida Frederick Gores, which I don't know. That sounds maybe um, German. She was a, she was a countess of Bohemia and she uh, died in 1971. And she wrote this article back and I believe she wrote it in 19, 1966. And it was translated recently into English. So we can read it. And the title of the article is, does modern man have a capacity for liturgy? And I thought it was a really interesting article because I was thinking the same thing when I was on pilgrimage throughout Europe you see the churches that were built during the medieval ages, and these are ginormous it's just like your jaw just hits down seeing the, the magnanimity of soul that it must have had took to design and build these churches and these castles. And you think to yourself, why is it that everything we make today ugly? Why is everything we make so uninspiring? And, you know, people kind of say, oh, well, I like my church. I I think it's not bad. I I don't think the architecture is that bad. When you see like the problem is the most beautiful church in your diocese, probably depending on where you're at or where you're at. If you're like in Chicago, they got some pretty, pretty nice churches like St. John Kansas. But if you're in Texas, if you're in the south, generally speaking, unless you're in Louisiana, Louisiana has pretty nice churches as well. But in Texas, we don't really have a lot of nice churches. In Houston, the oldest church in Houston is 150 years old. When I was in Agreda, Spain, they were telling me, yes, um, Venerable Mary of Agreda, her family didn't go to this church because this was the new church. And the other church over there is the one that they went to, even though it was a little bit further away because that was the the old church. And I was like, oh, how old are the churches? She said, this one's 400 years old and the other one's 800 years old. And like that, the 400-year-old church is a, is a new church? Uh, the oldest church in my entire diocese is 150 years old. And so this is the kind of situation we have in, in America. So we don't even our nicest, nicest, nicest churches pale in comparison to the things that were built in the medieval times. Things that were built a thousand years ago and they're built for the glory of God. Now, in this document here, she's cites, um Romano Gordini, Father Romano Gordini in his book on liturgy. He says it is the liturgical act and with it the meaning of liturgy in general so historically bound, ancient, medieval, or Baroque, that if one is going to be honest, one should abandon it entirely? Shouldn't one bring oneself to realize that a human being, as human beings in the industrial age, the era of technology, and the sociological structures resulting from them is simply no longer capable of the liturgical act? And shouldn't one, instead of talking about renewal, consider in what way the sacred mysteries are to be celebrated so that a person today could relate to them with his truth? I think it's interesting that he brings this up about living in the technology era and living. In, are we capable of a liturgical act? Because many people think that saying something like active participation in the mass is a new thing. They say, oh, that was a, a Vatican II idea. But active participation actually predates. It actually predates Vatican II by quite a bit. I believe it was St. Pius X who coined that term and he was referring to the the reverence that we give. We place ourselves in the mass that we actively with our participation of uniting our soul with Christ on the cross. That was the activity that he's referring to. He was not talking about clapping and singing and dancing and doing the readings and serving at the altar. He's not talking about any of those things. He's saying every single person should actively participate and the way you actively participate is by uniting your intention with that of the priest, uniting the intention, uniting your soul with the holy sacrifice, with the immolation of Christ on the cross, because suffering is something that every single one of us must endure. It's going to happen. Now, many holy souls will take on extra sufferings, but for most of us, the casual day-to-day sufferings is enough for us, right? Um, I know my two hours of sleep last night is uh, going to be the cross that I am going to carry today. I suppose not because I keep bringing it up, so I guess it's uh, no merit to me. But nonetheless, these things um, on our day-to-day lives are things that we can offer to our Lord during the holy sacrifice of the Mass. It's something that is present with us, and so I think this is something that we have to keep in mind, something that we have to kind of think about. And if it's the case that modern man does not have a capacity for liturgy, the question is, how do we fix that? How do we fix the idea that we are struggling and we're failing to be able to understand the liturgy? Well, the solution cannot be giving up on the liturgy. The solution cannot be destroying the liturgy and making it more situated for modern man. It seems to me that the correct solution to the problem is by fixing ourselves. Now in the article, she says proof that people today have the capacity is sufficiently demonstrated. It seems to me by the church and the Eastern block, bishops, priests, laymen from their report unanimously how the liturgy there is literally what people live on, what binds, sustains, shapes, and nourishes the community. From it, one can now live for another year, said an industrial worker to Bishop Otto Spolbick after the celebration of the Easter vigil. The newsletter from Father Theo, for example, inadvertently and convincingly gave poignant testimony about everyday life in the church. So that's something we have to keep in mind that we don't have to destroy the church. We don't have to destroy the liturgy. We don't have to conform the liturgy to us the liturgy is timeless. The liturgy has been there for 2,000 years. It is us who must conform to the liturgy. Now, joining us right now is Sarah Soto. Good morning to you, Sarah.
4: Good morning, Adrian.
3: How you doing?
1: I'm doing very well. Praise be to God. It's nice to have you on. Uh, we're Thanks. just about out of time. We only have about a minute. Uh, so <laughs> when the one minute we have here, I just wanted to ask of what is uh, the back to the father are going to be, and uh, I'm sorry, back to the father, a life lived joyfully going to be about to, <laughs> tomorrow. You're going to be hosting at 3 p.m. I believe um, the, tell me about what's the topic for that. Yeah. So uh, I host every Thursday at three o'clock and my background is uh, a deep love for the theology of the body, um, and I, I mean, uh, I'm a convert from atheism. I was a cradle Catholic, and uh, so I struggled a lot with, and I continue to wrestle with obedience. And
4: so I'm going to talk tomorrow um, about obedience to the Church and why we can't decide on our own. You know what? That whole teaching on contraception, I'm going to toss that out the window. Uh, why? Why the Church, in her wisdom, knows better for us? Uh, and why we need to be obedient to her,
1: especially in those really difficult moral teachings. So I'm going to harp on that uh, quite a bit tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> well, praise be to God. I think that's very good. And the, I think that's a topic worthy of discussion because uh the sexual moral teachings of the church have, I mean, it feels like they're just constantly attacking Lady Fatima. Uh, Saint, uh, oh, yeah. Lucia said that the last attack of the devil will be on the family. And exactly. I think we're seeing that to be the case. Um, last question here. How can people uh, get in touch with you and be able to keep, in, uh, keep up to date with what you're going on and what do they want to know? Okay, well, I want to know what she's going to talk about next Thursday. Uh, how sure. can people stay, uh, stay in touch? Uh, I usually do
4: that on the gram. So they can get on my Instagram. That's Sarah with an H, Soto, S-O-T-O, speaks. Um, or my website is also SarahSotoSpeaks.com.
1: There you go. And we're going to go into our game show, Fear and Trembling. You can call now to be a winner, 877 Call now. We're going to go into our game show. We'll be right back with Fear and Trembling
3: right after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question if you're a non-Catholic friend. What does it take to constitute an actual church? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a gathering of Christians is not automatically a church. Although Matthew 18 says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in their midst, that is not a text to be interpreted as a premise for a church. That's a requirement to legitimize an accusation. Secondly, Catholic teaching. Christ established and sustains the church as both a mystical community and a visible organization with hierarchy and jurisdiction. And thirdly, my take. Eventually, you have to decide what one item is absolutely essential for our Lord to say, that's my church. So is it a church if there's simply a common belief in the Bible? Or perhaps just a doctrinal agreement? Is it compliance to the Apostles' Creed? Could it be the stamp of approval from a denomination? Maybe an ordained pastor makes it officially a church. So, you know that place you've been attending every Sunday morning at 10 a.m.? Maybe it's not even a church. Maybe it's just a good, healthy hangout. Ooh.
4: Donnie, what are the four Gospels in the New Testament?
0: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John.
4: And who baptized Jesus?
0: St. John the Baptist. As
4: parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on.
1: 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of the game show. Fear and trembling where we give out prizes and you could win. What's that number? 877-757-9424. We always take the first caller so you could be that first caller. How do you do that? Well, it's very simple. You pick up the phone, and you dial 877-757-9424. And if you are not the first caller today. Don't you worry because we have two more opportunities this week for you to be a winner. That would be Thursday. That would be Friday. And if you call in first, and here's a pro tip, you can actually call in early and wait on hold if you'd like. As early as the top of the seven o'clock hour, you can call in and you can wait on hold and you would be the first caller. So if you don't get on today, then you're welcome to do so for tomorrow and for Friday. You can always go to our website, grnonline.com, for side CDT to get that information you want to put us on your speed dial now you may be asking what am i listening to what's going on here i you talking all these numbers calling winners what, what's going on well We're playing our Fear and Trembling game show, a Catholic trivia game show where we give out prizes. And the trick is I have three Catholic trivia questions here. And the trick is I don't ask you the questions. No, I'm going to ask Sissel the questions and she's going to give you an answer. It's your job to tell me whether or not she is right or whether or not she is wrong. It's your job to discern how tricky is Sissel being. That's going to be your job. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Sissel, what can they win? This
2: week they can win a Why do Catholics pray the rosary tote bag and why do Catholics pray to saints mug? Thanks to conversionstarters.com. Conversionstarters.com makes evangelization easy and painless for everyone. Conversion starters, T-shirts, hoodies, and mugs catch people's eye and pique their curiosity by featuring common questions about Catholicism, like why do Catholics pray the rosary, along with the web address where they can get... A brief, easy-to-understand answer to those questions. Be a billboard for Christ. Conversionstarters.com.
1: Be a billboard for Christ. You know, I like that because you know what really annoys me? Like what really, it's like one of my pet peeves. That is being a walking billboard for companies Whenever I have like a, a Nike shirt, you see the Nike swoosh. I don't wear Nike anymore. I don't wear Nike in years, but like a Tommy Hilfiger and you're like, have the, the little symbol yeah, there. there. there are certain
2: companies that they, and I usually, for, from just like a fashion sense, they always look bad in my opinion. I agree. Right? I agree. Just from a merely a fashion sense. I'm always like, why do I have to have like the, the little, little tiny symbols? like Logos Or big everywhere. symbols.
1: Yeah, sometimes they're ginormous. And
2: then people sometimes are like, oh, I have to have this brand because it has this. And I'm like, no, it's ugly. Why would you want that?
1: I agree. I agree. And but then, why not, if you're going to be a billboard, if like everything's going to be branded, why not be a billboard for Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Why not have our Lord Jesus Christ and his message, uh, on your clothing instead on your, in your tote bag, on your lunchbox, on your stickers, on, on everything. Just have our Lord Jesus Christ. So I like that. I like that a lot. The idea of having, uh, being a billboard for Christ. So praise be to God. Now joining us right now is, uh, Carmel. Good morning to you, Carmel. What's going on, brother? Am I pronouncing your name right? Yes. Perfect, perfect. And uh, where are you calling in from? From Midland. Midland, Texas. Praise be to God. Um, we don't get too many callers from Midland, but, you know, that's our HQ. That's our headquarters there, and yet we'd i love to hear more callers from Midland. Now, um, where are you off to this morning?
7: Oh, I'm off to work. Hey, you know I'm the guy that sends you rosaries, right?
1: No way! Praise be to God! Thank yeah, you very way. much. Praise be <laughs> to God. Those are rosaries are amazing. Very beautiful rosaries. I thought that was, uh, I was like, uh, whenever we, we got those, Rudy was giving those away. I was like, man, low key. I wish I could win those. <laughs> handmade, handmade. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I'll but send you so, I'll
7: send you some more. Oh, praise be uh, to God. I get
1: a
2: chance,
7: I'll, I'll send you some more. We very much Maybe I'll send one you. personally for you.
2: Oh,
1: I think uh, you have to ask him some
2: trivia questions for him to be able to actually get it. He's going to
0: ask me trivia questions.
1: No, I I never have enough rosaries. I have rosaries everywhere, and I keep spare rosaries throughout bags and bags when I'm out and about with people, and they're like, oh, let's pray the rosary. And they're like, oh, I forgot mine. I'm like, don't you worry. Got you one. No excuses. So there you go. Praise be to God. Well, thank you very much. Now, you're familiar with the game then, obviously. You're very familiar. You know how the game works, but you may not be familiar yeah, yeah. with Sissel. Yeah,
7: no.
1: I'm the, wild card, need, right? yeah, so the ah. wild card this week. Yeah, so Sissel is the wild card this week. I don't even know what's going to
2: come out of my mouth sometimes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So you got to be careful, Carnival. You're going to have to keep your ears tuned and make sure you discern right well whether or not Sissel is being tricky. So are you ready to play the game? Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, it, it, it let's, let's, let's use the
7: KISS
1: method to keep the temple stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number one. Uh, Sissel, the question on the board is, what is the name of the rope or the cord that's used to fasten the alb? Now we're talking about the, the clothing of the priest, the vestments of the priest. Uh, so what is the name of the of that rope or that cord that's used to fasten the alb?
2: That was the wrong music to play. Sorry, I was trying to set the mood with the music and I no hit the wrong problem. button. Uh, that's a great question, Adrian. Um, we have a lot of names for things in the Catholic Church, we right? Do, we do, There's a lot it's of true. things to keep track of. I have friends come up to me after Mass all the time like, what do you call that thing? The priest holes and what's this and what's that? But I like to think that I have a pretty good handle on mm, this. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say that the name of the rope slash cord used to fasten the alb is kind of like a belt, right? Mm.
1: Yeah, that is I think true. it's a
2: timing belt.
1: A timing belt. Mm-hmm. Oh, very interesting. Very. Well, I, I don't know why Carmel's laughing. I don't know. Said, I don't know why, at yeah, me right now. What's, what's up with that? I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, very good answer, good. I would say. 15 <laughs> seconds on the clock, Carmel. The question on the board is, what is the name of the rope or the cord used to fasten the owl that the priest wears? Uh, Sissel very confidently says it's the... Uh, The timing belt. Um, What say you, Carmo? I mean, he's laughing for some reason. I don't know why he was laughing. Uh, What say you, Carmo from Midland, Texas?
7: Uh, It sounds like she might have
1: lost a uh, a belt once or twice. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, Are you saying she's wrong then?
7: Yeah,
1: I'll tell All right. Let's see if she's right. You're right there. That is correct. <laughs> that is, in fact, correct. How did you
2: see through me? I feel like I really gave a good job. <laughs>
1: I, I thought so, too. I would have. And you're yeah, right. You're right. I, I, was, I was
2: pretty burned when my timing belt gave out and I had to get a new one. So <laughs> who knew that you had to do those every 100,000 miles? Okay. I didn't. I learned yeah. that. <laughs>
1: There you go, folks. There you go. Now, the correct answer is a cincture. A cincture is I the gonna belt. was going to say cincture. Yeah, I think that's, that's the word I was
7: thinking of,
1: cincture. Yeah, you, you knew it. You knew it. it was, uh, that was, in fact, the correct answer. But uh, way to go. You're one for one so far. And I'm looking at question number two, and we're staying on the same path. So are you ready for question number two? Yeah. Let's jump into it. Question number two for you, Sissel. Okay. The question on the board is the outer garment that's worn by the priest celebrating mass is called what?
2: Back with these garment things mm-hmm. again, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I'll probably say maybe we'll play vestment, but yeah.
2: Oh yeah, probably was proper wording. We'll have to fire whoever came up with the questions. Uh, we'll work on that later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, hmm. Now I feel like I've seen this word so many times, but I don't know if it's going to come out pronunciation-wise okay, correctly. All, all right. right. Uh chasuble
1: chazable. Okay. okay. I was close.
2: Chazable. Now that don't take my lack of confidence in pronouncing that as my lack of confidence in my answer.
1: Uh well, yeah, well, <laughs> well don't you worry. Every answer that Sissel's was given in the last few days has all been confident, right or wrong.
2: Oh yes. So,
1: <laughs> you know, One thing we know about Sissel after a few days of her being on the show is confidence. Confidence, confidence, confidence is key. Confidence. All right, Carmel, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, the outer garment or vestment worn by the priest celebrating Mass is called what? Sissel says it's a chasuble. And don't be confused by the fact that uh, I may not know how to pronounce words, uh, some words, that I am confident in this answer. What say you, Carmel, from Midland, Texas?
7: You know what? Um, I think she's right
1: you she think I'm she's sure. right so let's i'm just
7: gonna think i'm gonna put a, a <laughs> that was a very there.
2: slight little ding there hey
1: you gotta you got a little baby ding there <laughs> Here, let, me, a, let
2: me let me get a better job of that
1: there very we go. <laughs> good, very, good. <laughs> very good carmel praise be to god you did get it right two for two that is a still a 100 percent success good rate job. it is in fact a chasuble and um those are it's you know i i love the chasuble's that are more you know um, a fiddleback is what it's called it's, it has it's very structured, very crisp, like it's starched, and it's like rounded at the corners. Um, the Roman chasuble, that kind of all very flowy. I, I don't really like those very much. Very, They just kind of look like they're wearing a robe.
2: Now I'm going to have to look all this up to see the differences you're talking about.
1: <laughs> I'm a liturgy nerd, so it's a, it's a problem. It's a problem. All right, Carmel, praise be to God. You got a 100% success rate. I'm looking at question number three here, and I got to say, uh, this might be the hardest question we've ever had in the history of Catholic Drive Time. Seems to be a trend. Uh, we seem to leave night. the hardest
2: for last, or at least the, the one that Adrian thinks is the hardest for last.
1: I don't. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever said that. I've never said that before in my life. This is the, the very first time. Of course. Uh, the very good Carmo, are you ready for the hardest question we've ever had on the history of Catholic Drive Time? No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, you gotta be confident. Yes. Remember, Carmel? Confident. Not necessarily
1: yeah. in me, but be confident. There you go. Calm, courage, and confidence. That's the okay. key. All right, let's jump into it. Question number three for you, Sissel. A flat metal, not medole, but metal container used to carry communion to the sick is called what?
2: Mm-hmm. Do do do. do. <laughs> Um, Yeah, the music's really lacking here. (laughs) (laughs) There was no technical difficulties at all today. Um, I am going to say it is a three-letter word that is spelled entirely differently than you think it is going okay. to be. All right. And it, I'm going to say it's called a pix. A pix. A pix. Not a pick, like a guitar pick. Oh. A pix. Spelled P-Y-X. Oh. Picks.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Interesting theory you have there. But um, what my thoughts on it don't really matter. The, what matters is that Carmel gets it right or wrong. 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, a flat metal container used to carry communion to the sick is called what? 15 seconds the clock. Carmel. Um, Sissel says it's a PIX. P-Y-X. What say you, Carmel, from Midland, Texas?
7: I'm going to say she is definitely...
1: Definitely... Can you hear me? Can, can you hear me? Yeah, yes. I can hear you? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Can you... yes. Hello? Uh-oh. Hello? Did we lose him? Oh, you did you did lose me. Oh, okay. okay. There, you you lose go. Me. there you go, there you are. You said uh, she definitely he is kidding. Is... Okay. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <saying. laughs> Dang, I got I got caught. I got, got. Uh well what say you? Carmel. Is she right or wrong? It's picks, it's a pick It's a pic, she said. Is it is correct. Job. Way to go, Carmel. Praise be to God. And you uh you did get us. I was like, oh, oh no, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't Good job. uh, We're going to go off, but make sure we're going to put you on hold to make sure you stay on the line so we can get your contact information so we can send you the prize should we draw your name out on Friday. But God bless you. God love you, Carmel. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate you. And good morning. And that's going to do it for the radio side. If you could join us in the after show, we'd love to have you. Hop on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey. Maybe not Odyssey. I think that's broken right now, but Rumble's working. Uh, Facebook, twitter i think i said all that already and you can join us in the after show um if not we'll see you back here tomorrow morning 6 a.m central 7 eastern across the guadalupe radio network god bless you god love you and remember christ is king amen amen hallelujah we'll be right back
2: thank you for joining us on your catholic drive time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired
7: The Guadalupe Radio
1: Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas.
6: Live from Our Lady of Corpus Christi, home of the Salt community. For more information, visit salt.net or ourladyofcorpuschristi.org. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Rose of Lima. We offer this Holy Sacrifice of the Mass for all of our online viewers and all those listening to Guadalupe Radio Network.
8: Praise my soul, the King of heaven, To his feet thy tribute bring, Ransom healed, restored, forgiven, Evermore his praises sing, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Praise the everlasting King. Praise Him for His grace and favor to His children in distress. Praise Him still the same as ever, slow to chide and swift to bless. Alleluia, Alleluia, glorious in His faithfulness.
6: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to To Almighty Almighty God, and and to you, you, my brothers brothers and sisters, that that I have have greatly sinned, in my thoughts and in my words, in what what I have have done, done, in what I have failed to do, Kirle
8: song Kiri song Kristele Kristale song Kirle song song spring
6: O God you set Saint Rose of Lima on fire with your love so that secluded from the world and the austerity of a life of penance she might give herself to you alone. Grant, we pray, that through her intercession we may tread the paths of life on earth and drink of the stream of your delights in heaven. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen.
9: A reading from the Book of Judges. All citizens of Shechem and all of Beth Milo come together and proceeded to make Abimelech king by the tribune at the memorial pillar of Shechem. When this was reported to him, Jotham went to the top of Mount Gerizim, and stand, standing there, cried out to them in a loud voice, Hear me, citizens of Shechem, that God may then hear you. Once the trees went to anoint a king over themselves, so they said to the olive tree, Reign over us. But the olive tree answered them, Must I give up my rich oil, whereby men and gods are honored, and go to wave over the trees? Then the tree said to the fig tree, Come, you reign over us. But the fig tree answered them, Must I give up my sweetness and my good fruit and go to wave over the trees? Then the tree said to the vine, Come, you, and reign over us. But the vine answered them, Must I give up my wine that cheers gods of men and goes to wave over the trees? Then all the trees said to Buckthorn, Come, you reign over us. But the Buckthorn replied to the trees, If you wish to anoint me king over you in good faith, come and take refuge in my shadow. Otherwise, let fire come from the Buckthorn and devour the cedars of Lebanon. The word of the Lord. Lord, in your strength, the king is glad. Lord, in your strength, the king is glad. O Lord, in your strength, the king is glad. In your victory, how greatly he rejoices. You have granted him his heart's desire. You refuse not the wish of his lips. Lord, Lord, in in your your strength, strength, the the king king is glad. glad. For you welcomed him with godly blessings, goodly blessings. You placed on his head a crown of pure gold. He asked life of you. You gave him length of days forever and ever. Lord, Lord, in in your your strength, strength the king is is glad. Great is his glory in your victory. Majesty and splendor you conferred upon him. You made him a blessing forever. You gladdened him with the joy of your face. Lord, Lord, in in your your strength, strength, the the king is glad. Hallelujah Hallelujah
8: Hallelujah Hallelujah Hallelujah
9: Hallelujah The word of God is living and effective able to discern the reflections and thoughts of the heart
8: Hallelujah
6: Hallelujah Hallelujah. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with them for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard, going out about nine o'clock. He saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You too go into my vineyard, and I will give you what is just. So they went off. He went out again around noon, around three o'clock, and did likewise. Going out about five o'clock, he found others standing around and said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They answered, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You too go into my vineyard. When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Summon the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and ending with the first. When those who had started about five o'clock came, each received the usual daily wage. So when the first came, they thought that they would receive more, but each of them also got the usual wage. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last ones worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who bore the day's burden and the heat. He said to one of them in reply, My friend, I am not cheating you. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what is yours and go. What if I wish to give this last one the same as you? Or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? Thus the last will be first, and the first will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Be careful what you pray for, because you might actually get it. That's the moral of the story of the first reading, when they said, we want a king, we want a king, we want a king. And God was like, you don't want a king, trust me. These kings are bad news, and the book of kings is full of bad kings. And wanting that was, you know, you have to be careful uh, of wanting things to be a different way than they actually are. It is a great ascesis, a great self-denial to accept the uniqueness of each person in your life all day long. Every single person has their own kind of quirks and way of doing things. Some people are called in the, mid, in the beginning of the day... Some are called in the, in the midday and some are called in the, the last part of the day. And you have to accept where each person is at. It takes a little bit of a lot of love and a lot of self-denial to accept where someone is at and where they're not. This is especially true in uh, relationships, community relationships. And this is kind of the name of the game of marriage probably about 40, 50, 60 times every day, you have to accept your spouse is not the way that you would prefer them to be. Your children are not the way that you would prefer them to be. They're they're going to be different. And this is God's way of inviting you to overcome yourself. God's will is not going to be in your set of expectations. It's not going to be in your imagination. If it was in your imagination, you would never transcend yourself. You would always, you know, it would always be, be the way that you wanted to be. <clears throat> I'm, myself, I'm in between assignments, and it's kind of like this, I feel kind of like one of those fruits that's suspended in the jello. I'm just waiting for, you know, but there's purification that has to happen every time there's a, a, some kind of choice that your life direction that you make. And that purification means that you have to be ready to transcend yourself, to go beyond your set of expectations. In this way, you're able to grow in charity. Charity is not in you. It's outside of you. It's in God. And that that decision to transcend yourself and to be happy with whatever God gives, as St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta said, to give whatever Jesus takes and to take whatever Jesus gives. This is the challenge that we have on a, I would say daily, but it's also an hourly challenge to continually let go of what you think. And the same is true for this, this parable. You know, these people that got to work in the vineyard, that the payment is that you get to be with God. If you, if you start working early on in your life, you have a conversion early on in your life, the immediate payment you get is that you get to work with Jesus, you know, elbow to elbow with the Lord in his vineyard. That itself is a different kind of payment than somebody who gets a naughty boy who gets anointed on their deathbed and they get the apostolic pardon and they get to go home after a life of sin. Those people too, God wants them all. He wants every single one of them. Who are you to dictate who gets what and how each person is manifested in their uh, different, the will of God, how it's, his will is, is made clear in their lives. The, the work that we have to do is accept that some people, they get to work with Jesus early on in their life, and that itself is this amazing uh, reward, and to learn to be happy with that. May the heart of Mary help us to be grateful, and may the practice and lives of the saints like St. Saint Rose of Lima, help us to be truly grateful and accept whatever and however God wants to give and manifest his glory. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church, that it may shine forth with the holiness of Christ and that the Holy Spirit will raise up saints of our generation. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, that they preach the gospel with wisdom and courage. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for government leaders, that they may not obstruct Christ. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord.
8: Lord, hear our prayer.
6: We pray that each person may be grateful in their vocation and rejoice in the mission that God has given them and the uniqueness which God has called them. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for an increase of in vocations to priesthood, religious life, and the sanctification of holy matrimony. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Finally, for all of our beloved dead, that they may enter the Father's eternal glory. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us, for we make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ, and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary's, we pray. Hail Mary, Mary full, of, full grace. of grace, the, the Lord, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou, thou among women, men. and blessed, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary Mother, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, sin. now, now and, and at and the hour of our death. Our death. Amen. Amen.
8: Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. All else be not to me, save that Thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night, Waking or sleeping, Thy presence my light. Be Thou my wisdom, O Thou my true word. I ever with Thee, and Thou with me, Lord. Thou my great Father, Thine own may I be. Thou in me dwelling, and I one with Thee.
6: Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. As we proclaim your wonders, O Lord, in the Virgin, Blessed Rose of Lima, we humbly implore your majesty that as her merits are pleasing to you, so too our dutiful service may find favor in your sight through Christ our Lord. Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God, for in the saints who consecrated themselves to Christ for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, it is right to celebrate the wonders of your providence by which you call human nature back to its original holiness and bring it to experience on this earth the gifts you promise in the new world to come. And so with all the angels and saints, We praise you without end, we acclaim
8: Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncele et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus,
3: Qui Venit in nomine Domini,
8: Hosanna in excelsis.
6: You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it for ever and ever. Amen. Proceptus salutarii vos moniti, et divini institutioni formati, audemus Ticere. Pater noster,
3: es in celis,
8: sanctifici tuur nomen tuum, ad meni ad regnum tuum, I ad voluntas Tuva, Sicut in ho et in Terra, Panem nostrum potimianum, Danobis hulie, Et imite nobis debita nostra, Sicuret nos timitimus, Demitorimus nostris, Et ne nos inducas in tentationem, We told this pecata mundi, misere nobis. Agnus dei, we told this pecata mundi, dona nobis ha
6: Behold the Lamb of God. Behold Him who takes away the sins of the world. the Bridegroom is coming. Come out to meet Christ the Lord.
8: With those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things. O Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst come to me. But speak the word of comfort, and my spirit healed shall be, and humbly I'll receive thee The Bridegroom of my soul. No more by sin to grieve thee, Or fly thy sweet control. Eternal Holy Spirit, Unworthy though I be. Prepare me to receive him, and trust the word to me. Increase my faith, dear Jesus, in thy real presence here, and make me feel most deeply That Thou to me art near My hope in Thee now strengthen O Savior of my soul Lest by temptation blinded I turn from my true
6: goal Let us pray. Renewed by partaking of this divine gift, we pray, O Lord our God, that by the example of St. Rose of Lima, bearing in our body the death of Jesus, we may strive to hold fast to you alone through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Thanks be to God.
8: Salve Regina, Mater misericordiae, Nita dulce tu, nostra salve, Ad te clamamus, Exulas filii heve, Ad te suspiramus. Jaban te sacerd in hard rock rebarum vade hergo nostra et os tuos miserere cordes oculos ad nos conde et jehesu benedictum frutum ventris tui nobis post hoc exilium ostende o, o, o clemens o, o, o pia o, 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 o dulcis virgo maria
7: All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi,
4: I'm Roxy from Bay.